Our sermon text this morning is Isaiah chapter 10, verses 12 through 19. I'll give you a second to find it so you can look at it in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 12 through 19. Our theme this morning is arrogance. Might not be what you thought you were going to hear from the Lord about this morning, but it is. That's our passage as we work our way through Isaiah, and the theme has a lot to do with arrogance. I believe the aim of this passage in God's hands for us today is to assure us that he will address and deal with arrogant people. Sometimes in this world, it can seem as though arrogant people are prospering and successful and doing great. And we can get confused and even start to envy them or try to emulate them. But God's word reminds us time and time again not to do that, that he calls his people to be meek and humble. And he will address and deal with arrogant people. Here in Isaiah chapter 10, he's specifically talking about Assyria. He was going to use Assyria as his tool to discipline and correct and purify his people. In Assyria, the king of Assyria was completely arrogant in of himself. He, he, did, had, he did not have any intentions on doing God's will. He had his own ideas, and he was very full of himself. And so God looked at the situation, I believe, and saw that Israel might be a bit confused by this because they knew that humility and meekness was the way to go. Yet here comes this arrogant king, seemingly unstoppable and invincible. And so in our passage, God is reassuring them. You may see arrogant people seeming to prosper, but that is temporary. It's always temporary because God is going to address it and he is going to deal with it. So let's jump in at verse 12. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. It's pretty clear. In other words, God is saying through the prophet Isaiah, when God gets done disciplining his people, it will be Assyria's turn. A day of reckoning is going to come. All through scripture, you see God reassuring his people that their arrogant enemies are going to get what's coming to them. I read last week a lot from Psalm 37 because it was a prominent chapter in my own devotional times last week. And I'll remind you of some of the things he says there because it's a good example of God reassuring his people about this. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. On down, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Verse 9, for the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That's just one example of many, especially in the Psalms that you can find, of God reassuring his people, stay the course, be meek, be humble, even if it looks like arrogant, proud, boastful, godless people are thriving, that's momentary. That's like grass shavings that have already been cut. They're green right now, but come back tomorrow and they'll be brown and dried. That is the fate of the arrogant, godless person. It is easy to get confused, though, in this world because in our entertainment, it's usually the arrogant, self-inflated people that are the heroes. 
And as we look around in business and among our friends, they, they genuinely do seem to be doing well. They seem confident and charismatic and they seem, it, it can seem like, I guess that's the way you get ahead in this world. It's not. I promise you it is not. God means for us to be meek and humble. God means for you to be meek and humble. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. First Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. That's the Christian way. That's the portrait of a Christian seeking humility and meekness. The king of Assyria is a portrait of arrogance. And as our passage goes on, we see how this arrogance works itself out in him. Arrogance is revealed in your speech and your sight. It's revealed in the way you talk and the way you see the world and the people around you. Your words and your way of seeing things. As he describes it in verse 12, the speech of the arrogant heart and the boastful look in the eyes. That's where arrogance is revealed. Let's read verses 13 and 14. For the king of Assyria says, By the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I have understanding. I remove the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasures. Like a bull, I bring down those who sit on thrones. My hand has found, like a nest, the wealth of the peoples. As, and as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I have gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. This is what arrogance sounds like. I have done this. Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look at my great abilities. It's like taking candy from a baby. I got that promotion. I told that manager, no, not on my watch. You're going to give me that refund. I told them way, the way it was. I saw through all the bull, and I, I could see what was really there. I'm the one who has it figured out. All those idiots don't understand. That's what arrogance sounds like, and we hear it in our world, do we not? And we have it within us, and it is dangerous. Beware of people who boast about themselves. Beware of people who boast about themselves. We know these people. I know these people. When you reconnect with them over a cup of coffee or over the phone or you run into them or at the family gathering, you know that it's about to be story time. They're going to tell you all the stories of their great conquests and adventures and how they were the great hero. And everybody around them was a bunch of simpletons and just didn't get it. We know these people. I've got specific people that come to mind and I imagine that you do too. Always abounding in tales of their great abilities and achievements and the contrasting stupidity of everyone else. It is a major red flag. It is a major, major red flag. Do not be like them. Even if they seem successful, even if you admire their confidence, even if they're charismatic, don't be fooled. Don't be like them. They're green like grass that was mowed yesterday now, but in a short time, they'll be dried up and brown. Don't be arrogant. 
What's missing from this way of talking? What we just read, the king of Assyria, how he talks, what's missing? God. There's no mention of God whatsoever. The king of Assyria was so certain that he had accomplished all of his achievements on his own, by his wisdom, by his abilities, completely ignoring and ignorant of the fact that his very existence was owed to God. And we know from verses 5 and 6 that the only reason he had been successful was because God was using him like a parent uses a paddle to discipline their children. Verses 5 and 6, he says, Ah, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil and seize plunder and tread them down like the mire of the streets. So the only reason the king of Assyria had this success, this military success, is because God chose to allow it because he was using it for his purposes. So the king of Assyria, so puffed up with himself, so proud of himself, had no idea what was actually going on at all. The people of Israel knew better than this. God had told them long ago, back in the book of Deuteronomy, to beware of forgetting God and becoming full of themselves and their success. I'll read to you Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 11. God is forming his people here. He's giving them the law, the way to live. And he says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I have commanded you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you do is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power, in the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So Israel was founded on the assumption that you're going to be tempted when you're successful and I have blessed you, you're going to be tempted to mistake that for your own greatness of ability and achievement. But don't do it. Remember that it came from me. If you have it, it's because God gave it to you. If you did it, it's because God allowed you to do it. If you knew it, it's because God showed it to you. Period. There is no such thing as a self-made man. There is no such thing as pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Where'd you get the bootstraps? God gave them to you. How is it that you exist? God made you. How is it that you figured out that problem? God gave you the mind and the education and the family that sent you to school. How is it that you're doing this work so well? God may have given you good mentors that taught you. It all only comes from God. So do not be arrogant and do not envy or emulate arrogant people. Arrogant people will have momentary success, but it is momentary. Arrogant, godless people speak 
and see the world as if God does not exist. But he does exist. And so wise, humble, meek people will speak and see the world in light of that fact. God exists and you're not him and I'm not him. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We're going to read in the remainder of our passage how God would humble the king of Assyria. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to go into great detailed explanation of it. It's fairly straightforward. Verse 15, right after the king of Assyria has boasted all these things about himself through the prophet Isaiah, God says, shall the axe boast over him who hews with it? Shall the axe boast over the lumberjack that uses that axe to chop down the tree? Is the axe awesome or is the lumberjack awesome? It's the lumberjack. Or shall the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? Uh, A craftsman working with wood creates some beautiful piece of furniture. Was it because the saw was awesome? No, it's because the craftsman was awesome. And so it is with the king of Assyria. If he accomplished anything, was it because he was awesome? No, it was because... God was awesome and doing awesome things through him. As if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood. Therefore the Lord of hosts, I'm sorry, therefore the Lord God of hosts will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors. And under his glory, a burning will be kindled like the burning of a fire. The light of Israel will become a fire and his holy one a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. The glory of his forest and of his fruitful land, the Lord will destroy both soul and body, and it will be as when a sick man wastes away. The remnant of the trees of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. His great empire will be reduced to stubble, a couple of trees left that a little kid could count on one hand, This great strength and vitality would be wasted away like a person sick and ill, wasted away physically. This glory of the king of Assyria was momentary. And God wanted Israel to know it, and God wants us to know it. He always addresses and deals with arrogance. Now, you may be here, and you may be an arrogant person. The fact that you're at church does not necessarily mean that you are a humble and meek person who has been transformed by Jesus Christ. It could be that you're here out of habit. It could be that you're here for any number of other reasons, but ultimately you really do believe that everything you have is based on your hard work and everything you are is based on your own innate abilities. If that is true, you need to be saved by the mercy and grace offered to you through Jesus Christ because your arrogance has you hurtling towards God's humiliating judgment, as we all have been. Your sin sets you against a holy God. You deserve death, as we all do, but he has made a way for you through Jesus Christ to be forgiven and reconciled to him. Jesus embodied perfectly the meekness and humility that God means for us to live. When you go to Jesus Christ as an arrogant person, you receive forgiveness, but also transformation. And the mind of Christ becomes your mind, and that way of thinking becomes your way of thinking. 
Now, you may be saved, but still be full of the old arrogance because it just hasn't been worked out of you yet. When you become a Christian, you're not immediately perfect in practice. You're perfect in position. God sees you as holy in Christ, but in practice and daily living, your old sin clings on. And it may be that arrogance is a, a problem for you. When I describe what the arrogant person talks like, you were thinking back over your conversations over the last week and you're thinking, oh no, he's talking about me. Or in your mind's eye, you're scrolling your social media and you're realizing, oh no, if somebody, got, if somebody got, gathered all my social media posts and mixed them together, it would be the portrait of an arrogant person. It would be way more about how awesome I am and not at all about how awesome God is. That may be you, and you may not realize it until today, though the people around you probably do. And what you need is to be convicted of this sin so that you can repent and receive God's forgiveness and to be changed. It's good to be convicted of sin. Embrace it. That's the Holy Spirit in you doing his work. I'm a sinner still, and so are you. We will be as Christians regularly convicted of sin. It's God's gift. It's his, it's his love toward you. So take this as an opportunity to confess that to him and ask him to help you change and to be meek and humble like Jesus is. You may realize it and feel really guilty and awful about it. You need to be reassured that the forgiveness that is given to you through Jesus Christ is real and full and complete. And so the, the condemnation of your arrogance and sin is removed from you as far as the east is from the west. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So maybe you have been arrogant this week and you know it. Rejoice in the fact that in Christ, that's just washed away from you. And you don't have to live that way anymore. And you also don't have to beat yourself up over it. It's forgiven and cleansed. You might be uncertain how to live humbly and meekly because we don't have a lot of good examples of that in our society. Well, I'll tell you, first and foremost, look to Jesus. He is the exemplary model of humility and meekness. But I can tell you that it's, it's not a matter of weakness. You might be thinking, well, I guess I had just have to go around and act like a weakling and mope around and, and, and be ineffective and whiny and wimpy. It's not weakness or wimpiness. It's worship. It's way less about you presenting yourself as puny and way more about you realizing that God is awesome and pointing to that fact in the way you talk and in the way you see the world. It's not a lack of confidence. It's a, a confidence um, transfusion. It's a, it's a confidence transfusion of you releasing your self-confidence and instead imbibing God confidence. You'll be more confident as a meek and humble person because you will have transitioned your confidence from yourself and your abilities and your achievements onto God and God's abilities and God's achievements. It's not about low self-esteem, it's about high God esteem. That's what we're after as God's people. Now you may be here and you're a Christian and you agree with all these things, but you have to admit that you do kind of admire arrogant people a little bit. You see some people, you know they're arrogant, but man, they are effective. They get the job done. They seem cool. They, they seem like the kind of person that you maybe ought to be. People are drawn to them because of their charisma. Don't be fooled. 
God does not see arrogant people as cool or charismatic. He laughs at them and he has on his calendar the day that they will be shockingly, horrifyingly humbled and is coming sooner than they think. Don't be fooled. You may be frustrated by the apparent success of arrogant people. You may look around and say, I'm really trying to live by God's ways and I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling my physical health. I have these setbacks and I look at my neighbor or my family member or this guy I knew in college on Facebook or whoever it is and they are so full of themselves, but man, they've got everything. They've got the nice car and the easy life and the vibrant looking family. I think for you, you need the exact reminder that Israel probably needed here. It's temporary. God humbles the arrogant one way or another. Don't envy or emulate them. The day of reckoning will come. They're like grass that was mowed yesterday and it's still green for now, but it will be dried up and gone soon. Now we felt an earthquake here this morning. Now I don't know what thoughts went through your mind when you realized it was an earthquake. I always go back to those scriptures that say that there will be earthquakes along with famines and pandemics and all kinds of wars and upheaval in the last days. And I think maybe this is the last day. And maybe it is. I don't know when the last day will be, but I know that it should remind us that Jesus is coming back and it could be very soon. And so I wanna close with Philippians chapter two. I'll start at verse five. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our savior. But he's also our Lord and the king who is going to return. Verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is coming back, and on that day, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that he is the King of Kings, he is the glorious one, he is the Lord of Lords. As Christians, we get to do that now, when he returns, we already are bowed. We're already on our knees before him. We're already confessing that he is Lord. One day, everybody will. So don't be confused by the momentary seeming success of arrogant, godless people. Stay the course. Seek meekness and humility in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for forgiving us, we arrogant people, arrogant in ways that we probably don't even recognize. You look down and you forgave us through Jesus Christ. And I pray for those here that you would convict us of arrogance that is in our hearts and in the way we speak and in the way we view people. And that you would enable us to confess that sin before you and repent and turn away from it and to receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ as we let go of our old ways and embrace his new ways, his new life and follow him. Now would you so solidly plant these truths in our 
worldview that we are not swayed or confused when we look around and see arrogant people prospering. Help us to stay the course. Let us embody Christ-like meekness and humility. In Jesus' name, amen.